you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the NFL Podcast. Really support Josh Rosen. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up? Boys. Hey, Dan. The 2019 NFL Draft is in the books. Seven rounds, 256 picks, 255. It doesn't matter. What matters is teams now. 254. 254. Wow. Slacking this year, the draft. Less comp picks, less movement in days of old. It's one way to look at it. I just feels long it, enough uh, to me, but it does feel it's a long, <laughs> long event. It was in Nashville and uh, Titoon fans always getting on me on Twitter because I don't like your quarterback and your team's been a little boring for about 20 years. But well, what I will say was, again, the draft, they stumbled into this because Radio City Music Hall and the Madison Square Garden Company had the audacity to book out that facility, Radio City, about five years ago uh, and book it out from <laughs> under the NFL after the NFL had been in that building for you know decades doing the draft, it was a great tradition uh, for the old Zeus. It was great to get back to New York and see family. Everything was perfect about it. And then the garden. For you. Joe, again, <laughs> James Dolan, that guy, the guy I have to replace is the owner of the Knicks. Uh, they go and what leads to the NFL going all around the country every year and another great, great setting for the draft. I wish we were there. We should be there next year. That's enough of the studio stuff. Let's go to the draft next year. The Nashville setting looked to me, I know Philly was nice and uh, Dallas, I guess, but they, they, it, this looked like almost an inaugural address um, in, in previous yeah. ones versus the most recent one, I, which they, they hyped up to be what it was not. It <laughs> was massive. And But Dan, I do remember at Radio City Music Hall, you left with a seismic and la- lingering back issue. When it was they a had neck issue. Those, oh, Nick, and then those yeah. in the theater seats. So. That's true. They do have to rip out those seats, which were basically put in probably around the turn of the 20th century. So, you know, it wasn't They're a smaller human being. Yeah, they're meant yeah. for five foot two men. Yeah. Uh, anyway, long story short, it's it, it's a huge hit traveling the country. It's like Lollapalooza at this point. Um, but we're going to get through all of um, the big storylines across the league. Uh, after the draft, because yes, the rosters now, that's it. I mean, there will be moves that happen and repercussions from uh, the seven rounds over the last three days. But the team, when you look at your favorite team's roster now, you know, this is more or less, this is it now, Greg. This is what you are going to be taking into camp and preparing to ha- try to have a successful season. Yeah, for for the most part, that's true. There's a few lingering issues. Who knows if there could be veteran trades still out there, but I, it didn't happen over this, this draft weekend, which surprised me a little bit. And that means that you know what time it is. It's projected starter season coming up. Oh, yes. <laughs> One of Greg Greg's uh, most famous um uh, you know, cycle pieces <laughs> cycle every spring, <laughs> every spring, that one now chews up a lot of column time, doesn't it? A couple months almost. 
two weeks. Well, two weeks. you called it a season, so I would hope it would last longer than two weeks. <laughs> all right. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go through all the winners and losers in our minds uh, from the 2019 NFL draft. We'll uh, check in on a couple of things, including go get my lunch, uh, see where Mark ended up with his mock draft. Uh, any other final takeaways that we all have? But let's start with uh, winners and losers. I'll get it going. And it will hit on what was the main storyline entering the draft. Um, the Arizona Cardinals, who, let's face it, you can we cannot be throwing bouquets at the feet of Steve Keim and Michael Bidwill and everyone else connected with that organization because it is really bad at the end of the day to me. I don't care if there was a regime change that you drafted, you moved up to take a quarterback in the top 10, and then the very next year you take another quarterback. It's just not a good look. But... That's in the past now. And that's why, to me, they're a winner is not only did they ultimately decide Kyler Murray is a superstar in waiting that paired with Cliff Kingsbury is going to take Arizona out of the doldrums and fast the way we hear it. People that love Murray as a prospect. They also then were able to um, on Friday pull the trigger on a deal to get Josh Rosen, last year's number one pick, out of town. They send him to Miami. Do they get back a first rounder? No, but they do get back a second rounder, which is better than I expected. And I think some people expected it would be even worse than that. So they get it, they get a two back and they get that, the bad juju around Rosen and the, you know, unfollowing on Instagram, the Cardinals after the draft and just the, the bad vibe of having the two of them in the building. Uh, so what they get is what they needed. This is a totally fresh start for this organization uh, with Kyler Murray as the face of the franchise going forward. From play caller to quarterback to receiving core, to offensive line, this was a sub-NFL level offense last year. And now you've got a new quarterback, a new play caller. You signed three offensive linemen in free agency, got two more healthy after being injured, and you've completely revamped your wide receiver core, adding Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Kayshawn Johnson. This is You're not going to be able to identify this offense. To me, it looks like a grand experiment with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Right, and they're kind of following the, the Rams model, except uh, I think it's going to be even more... Uh, new school and spread and and just aggressive throwing the ball because of Kyler Murray, just because he brings something different to the table. But when you look at the receivers that they got, Isabella, maybe kind of like that Brandon Cooks type. Hakeem Butler, just this monstrous receiver that the draft Knicks loved. I mean, a lot of people had him in their top 15 to 20, even 10, and he didn't get taken until the fourth round. But like a red zone type, you got Christian Kirk, you have Larry Fitzgerald. They're all different flavors. You have David Johnson to the point where you can kind of see, and Isabella's the guy they ultimately got for Rosen. So you got a significant player at the end of the second round. Like, you have all these different flavors. I'm expecting them to be entertaining week one, week two. They might not be great, but I'm expecting them to be four or five win type of team. And if nothing else, like, I'm going to want to watch them. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it kind of reminds me of the year when we were hit with suddenly the RG3 and the read option for the first time and to some degree in the NFL, and it caught the league by storm. And it was, how do you solve this? How long can it last? Like, it is cool when you see a completely new offense to some degree hit the scene. I will say... And he's not a winner. Josh Rosen, the, it's been a rough couple months for him, about as rough as you could imagine for your first full offseason as a first-round quarterback. You thought this would be the offseason where you take charge and take hold of the team. But I will say, for him being the guy that's knocked for his um, extra personality and, and being a little bit too uh, you know, modernized for old-school coaches, I love what he did today. He, he didn't have to do anything, but he put out a essentially a, a, ver, a video and he spent the first three minutes of it thanking the Cardinals, thanking their coaches, thanking the fans, and then he went to the Dolphins. You don't have to do that. He, you well, know, he he did everything right over the past month or so. And I don't, again, it's smart to do it. it does, you don't have to be a genius to do it this way because it would have hurt his trade value, and he wanted out of town. But he went to voluntary workouts. He he went through all that. He uh, was practicing on the day they drafted Kyler Murray. That's pretty strange. I mean, he and and we'll play it a little bit later. Steve Smith of NFL Network absolutely destroyed Rosen. Um, yesterday on, on air, and maybe we'll play it later. But I think he did pretty much everything right. I don't get hung up about the Instagram thing. Even even went to, I think, Larry Fitzgerald's um, softball, charity softball game scheduled for today. He leaves the nice message, and now goes to Miami fresh start. He's, he's 22 years old. He started 13 games as, as a 21-year-old. I think he has a chance uh, to be really good. And that's why I have Chris Greer and the Miami Dolphins as a big-time winner. Because whether Rosen works out or not, 
I don't think you can doubt the process they used to get him. They didn't use their first round pick on him. Uh, they didn't even use their number 48 overall pick on him. They made the Cardinals wait it out. They traded down with the Saints. They pick up a 2020 second round pick. And then they trade the pick for Josh Rosen. So it was almost like you got him for a free, like you're going to have that pick next year. You got him for, for so little and you can evaluate him during this season. He might not be the week one starter, but he'll start at some point and you'll be able to make a more informed decision about possibly taking a quarterback a year from now. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, I think you should take a swing every year. And I'd rather have him than Haskins. I'd rather have him than Daniel Jones. Well, he'll be comfortable with the surrounding talent in Miami because it's a lot like last year's in Arizona. <laughs> That's, that is the problem. You, you, the one thing is you would, if, if you want to make the case, Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator from the Patriots, you know, that, that the kind of Parcells Earhart offense is really built around the quarterback strengths to start. It's, uh, you know, guy, it's, you know, evaluating what you're going to do before the snap, after the snap. It hopefully helps out a smart quarterback like Rosen, and you have Jim Caldwell there as your quarterback's coach, assistant head coach, who's done a pretty good job with quarterbacks. I think the Dolphins, the hope started for the Dolphins, and it's no knock on Mike Tenenbaum for what he's done in general, but when they shifted away from him, they brought in Chris... They, Chris Greer was there, but to allow the plan, and, you know, Evan Silva's talked about it with Astro Ball, and that they, someone in there got on that plan, and, but the Dolphins, who have star, started over 100,000 times, have a plan now. You, you got a quarterback at all, essentially zero cost on your cap, who has a lot of potential. And for me, the winner is the, a the rest of the AFC East. And we need to see it first, but there is some hope because A, the, the, the experience of the New England Patriots is at a critical mass point where your quarterback is a couple years away from being 45 years old. You've lost Rob Gronkowski. I believe in what the Bills are doing from a team-building perspective. They've had a couple good drafts in a row, like yeah. the head coach. The Dolphins finally have a plan. And, and I know that there's some buzz around Mike McCagnon and Adam Gase maybe not getting along right now, but let's see how that shakes out. Mike McCagnon, I thought, two, two years in a row has helped change that team. The Jets are not a lost ship the way they were. There are quarterbacks in place here. That has not been the case in so long that that division, which has been just handed to one team since essentially 2001, it's. I, I hope that that will change now. There's I mean, actually the, something to look at. Brady's the only quarterback in the division that wasn't a top 10 pick in last year's draft. You know, if right. Rosen gets the starting job. I mean, the pro the issue with Miami though is it's nice to have this plan. You got to get some players. Well, they're the worst the team in the NFL by far. Right. But I, th that's okay right now. It's okay. Right. I love what the Bills and Jets have done. I would totally remove the Dolphins and say they, they're not even a 2019 proposition. And I did see someone either on network coverage or on Twitter said, well, now that the Dolphins have Josh Rosen, they're going to be in the same situation as the Cardinals with uh, Rosen next year, potentially. He's like, no, it's a totally se separate situation. Rosen's getting paid peanuts because the Dolphins don't even have to pay out the big first-round bonus. Right. So they, this is a perfect evaluation window with Ryan Fitzpatrick as a perfect backup quarterback. If you think about it, I mean, he's Rosen is making less money over the course of his contract than Colt McCoy is making this year than Chase Daniel made a year ago. Well, he's, he's cheap an, for a if, backup. If, if he wound up being a backup, he's incredibly cheap. And, and I still I still believe that he he has a lot more potential than that. What I also like, he wasn't thrust on the coaching staff. They talked about Shadow Shea and Brian Flores being very involved in the trade negotiations and that they want him there. So it's not another bad situation for Josh Rosen, ultimately. Wes, give me another winner. Look Look to the hat right now. <laughs> Wes is wearing an Indianapolis Colts hat. And it, I didn't, didn't even give me pause and I saw it. I was like, oh, Wes is a Colts fan. That makes sense. You well, love this team. Well, they are now, what really impresses me, and, I, and I'm taking a step back and looking at the macro view here. They are in sort of a 2004 Patriots mode right now without the Super Bowl titles, but <laughs> they're using every draft to stockpile young talent by taking the best player available, adding team speed, because Chris Ballard did such a good job What's your favorite type of immediately of taking a barren roster and getting to the point where he can take best player available and stockpile picks for the next year every year. So he's already stockpiled an extra second rounder for next year. He gets two or three second rounders every year. What he did with that Jets trade and the windfall has basically set this organization up to be a contender for a long, long time. And I tweeted that yesterday, and to me it was pretty revealing that not one single troll 
Not one single hater, <laughs> not one single pessimist came into my mentions and said, you're crazy. The Colts are a joke. They're not that good. I think everybody knows this team is set up. Well, this is who they got for Sam Darnold in the end with the picks that they traded. They got Quentin Nelson. Star player. They got Braden Smith, who quietly had a great uh, rookie season as a starting tackle, which is very uh, valuable. They got Jordan Wilkins and Kameko Ture, who are two later round picks. And they got Rocky Sin. Uh, West, I mean, Mark's boy. Las Vegas. Listen uh, to these names they drafted. EJ Speed. <laughs> Marvell Tell. What a great name Marvell Tell is. Well, they, and you know what? I guess it's because they had such a good draft last year that I just assume these picks are going to be. I'm like, it's like, oh, yeah, Rocky Sin. What a value. What a fit uh, for them. When they drafted Paris Campbell, who was a guy I thought the Patriots might be interested in with one of their second round picks because he's got that wide receiver running back like Percy Harvin, Corderell Patterson kind of feel Curtis of Samuel. Like, you can use him in different sorts of ways and he's just explosive. This is exactly what the Colts need. Right. And that's, that's what I mean. It's like you, because they've built up this quick track record, you're like, Oh, well that's perfect. That's they're going to know how to use Paris Campbell. Cause that's what Frank Wright, Wright does. I'd, I'd ask on the flip side from a loser standpoint, do the Texans have the correct team building people in place to keep up with the Colts and keep up with Shot at Pearl River and keep up with the, the <laughs> Titans too. Well, I think the difference between the Colts and the Texans right now is how top heavy the Texans are. They have the stars, but the Colts are building incredible depth right now, and the Texans. I think you question their depth. Well, what one thing that you know we didn't talk about on the show that really stuck out to me this week was the report that Jadavian Clowney could be available in a trade, which didn't happen. And you know, none of these potential big trades happen. That's why I do wonder if there could be anything still hanging out there. Nelson Aguilar and Clowney uh, would be two names I would think about in the next couple of weeks, especially Clowney. But it's hard to imagine he would get traded now. Solomon right? Thomas out there, I Clowney. It's hard to believe if you have Devian Clowney in your building that you're letting him go out. Um, let's move to losers. We can jump around. Oh, yeah. Let's throw out a loser. Um, Got to bring up the Giants. You can't ignore it. And uh, as someone that grew up in New York and just as a Jets fan, how hard it's been to not only see your team just struggle for decades and decades, but then have everyone for instance, in the town where I grew up with was Giants fans and just be so envious of how well run that organization has been for what feels like 30 years. And that's probably not that far off. I mean, winning Super Bowls, uh, always in the mix, down seasons mixed in every once in a while. But sooner or later, they always get it back together and get back on a run. They've just been one of the best run franchises uh, in the league um, over that time. And that's just not the case right now. And and this is the time of year where people jump to conclusions late in April and say this team had a terrible draft. This team had a good draft when actually no one knows. And we'll, we'll see. And maybe the sixth overall all pick Daniel Jones turns into a, a big time player for them. Maybe these other players that Dave Gettleman brought in uh, will make the Giants a more um, competitive team after two straight last place finishes. But. Everyone that is killing the Giants right now, it is completely fair because they don't seem to have a plan in place. There's no consistency to what they're doing. And by having Eli Manning still in the building and then the press conference that Gettleman and the Giants give in which Gettleman talks about how um, he's following these models of other teams like the Packers, how Eli could be starting for three years and all this. It's just inflaming a fan base that lost its patience when Odell Beckham got traded. And then you followed up with a hyper controversial draft where you no longer have the benefit of the doubt of your fan base. So you're getting absolutely roasted and it's not unfair. The Giants, after years and years and years of stability, um, seem to be teetering on the brink of disaster. And uh, a columnist for NJ.com wrote a really good piece about this. That Dave Gettleman, if this goes wrong with Jones in this draft class, will be the man who ruined the Giants. That will be his legacy. That will be uh, in his obituary. That will be on his tombstone. Why he ruined the Giants. Well, the, the ruining started year, a few years ago, I, I believe. But with I, the Mars hiring been, Gettleman. But people won't remember it with, that way, With though. McAdoo. I mean, this is it's very similar there's to the end of the McAdoo. Era. You're right. There's been a decline. But what's happened over the last uh, few months, if Jones can't play, 
Gettleman's fate will I, be sealed. I totally agree with you, and I and, and you're so right that the Giants' um, demise has roots that go far beyond uh, Gettleman's arrival previous to that. But then he's the guy that people will remember and think about talk radio growing up listening to WFAN. Who can get over this if you're a run-of-the-mill Giants fan? You gave up Odell Beckham for a defensive tackle, Dexter Lawrence, Jabril Peppers, a up-and-down safety with clear flaws and some strengths, and a defensive end that no one can pronounce his last name. I don't know, Shane Eximenius. I mean, this is what you yeah, gave nice up Odell Beckham there. for. The, the number 90. Well, it doesn't make him a bad player necessarily. I'm not, no, but I you know what? He could, be a, he could be a two-time pro bowler well, over the course of eight be. years, and it won't matter. I'm glad you brought up the defensive players, though, because as much as Daniel Jones is going to kind of write the history of the Gettleman era, the more immediate pressure is on their defense to get better. It's one of the very worst defenses in the league, and they got rid of two of their best players uh, in Olivier Vernon and Landon Collins. And this draft, when you look past Jones, was all about defense. They drafted a cornerback in the supplemental draft last year that never played. That was their third-round pick. They drafted a first-round corner, DeAndre Baker, another fourth-round corner, a pass rusher that you mentioned, uh, and then you had Dexter Lawrence. So this is all these defensive picks and James Betcher, who had a nice run as a coordinator in Arizona, did not do a good job with the Giants last year. And it's like that defense needs to be better fast because I don't think you can expect Eli Manning to be outscoring teams. Along with the Giants, I look at teams, losers for me are teams that you can have. Can I say one thing about the sure, Giants? Sure, jump in. I think the most depressing thing to me, if I'm a fan, is that all of their major acquisitions seem like a destitute man's version of the player they're replacing from Eli to Olivier Vernon to Snacks to Landon Collins, to Odell Beckham, to, I guess, DeAndre Baker might be better than Eli Apple, so that's one, but everyone else is a lesser version than what you got gave and, away. And every one of those players were surrounded in in confusing PR messaging from the GM on down. And I, and I, and I Jones has to overcome the fact that no one, like, it, it, it was a tough couple of days for Jones. You get drafted number six overall, you expect that to be exciting. He's hearing all this criticism. Yeah, oh, he's been put in a terrible spot. I mean, it's along with the Giants, teams that simply have had roster disasters occur or potential roster disasters and you have to use the draft to just fill what look like holes. The Chiefs, yes. what's going on with Tyreek Hill. So suddenly you have to turn around and draft wide receivers who, like in New York, are going to be lesser than Tyreek Hill. The Seahawks potentially losing Doug Baldwin, we find out this weekend. He may walk away because of an injury situation. DK Metcalf, fine, but there are a lot of people that are not high on DK Metcalf, and he has to go in and somehow, in theory, be better than Doug Baldwin. That's not how you want your draft to go. Yeah, he, 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 Metcalf is you know an outside guy. Baldwin's irreplaceable. I mean, yes. I think he's the most valuable receiver they've had in the Russell Wilson era and had a great uh, mind meld with Wilson and and Metcalf, you know, for that part of the draft it was the last pick, basically the second round C could be a good value. He's, he's a big guy, but they were, they were number one on my losers list, but just because it, it kind of came out of nowhere, we don't know how these rookies are going to be, but knowing that Doug Baldwin uh, is examining the end of his career and the way that the front office talked about that it, broke this weekend that broke, on, not Fri heard of yeah. that broke yeah. on Friday. He's had a ton of surgeries. And what they said was they're working through the process with the league and the players union having to deal with some stuff with Baldwin, which tells me, or at least indicates they're probably working on some contractual stuff in terms of his guaranteed money in a very similar way to Cam Chancellor that his career might be over, but they're trying to figure out the money. And that's a killer loss for the Seahawks. If you said that Doug Baldwin is the most underrated skill position player of the last half decade, I think every Seahawks fan would be nodding in unison. Mm. Um, you brought up the the Chiefs and the Tyreek Hill replacement, who they hope to be, uh, the Georgia player, Hardman. And it just, to me, it, it is such a, a bad situation, obviously. I mean, it's a tragic situation when you look at the what's going on uh, with Tyreek Hill and, and all that. And for the Chiefs, this is a team that was right on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. And now they're in a place where there's this drama unfolding on the first night of the draft. And then the next night of the draft, they are essentially what it all seems like is you're rep replacing Tyreek Hill with this kid. And for a team that's Super Bowl or bus mode, that seems like a risky move. They have to do it. it it's a roll of the dice. They're going to hope that uh, he'll hit the ground running. If not, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be the same producer he was last year. That's how big Hill was. So it's just a massive um, roll of the dice and hope that they could plug and play this kid and find ways to put up points the way they did last year. 
And they're just vulnerable, the Chiefs are, in a way that I would never have imagined it um, in January. In a division where the Chargers only got better. And they and they kept, you know, releasing they released a few more statements on Tyree Kill, but they all were kind of the same. That essentially that he's been sent home from team activity. They said that you were the Chiefs owner made a statement that he was deeply disturbed. They have not indicated yet that they're going to release him. The public's only going to have so much patience not with sure. that, by the way. Yeah, I'm not sure what the what the timing – like, we'll, we'll just have to see. It's an impossible could. situation for the team to be in. I mean, they knew what they were getting into with Tyreek Hill when, Absolutely. They, when they drafted him. So it's not like it's a total, oh, look what happened to us here. Uh, but the longer this draws out, you can't just keep on putting out statements saying how disappointed you are. People are going to want actions, and that's going to just intensify um, the pressure and bad vibes around the team. It's a, it's a very tough spot they're in. Well, Tyreek Hill is not – an exception. This is the chickens are coming home to roost on an organizational philosophy about taking chances on players with character issues. Mm. And I wonder John if Dorsey this, is part of that too. Of course. Kind of take taking that with him a little bit to, to Cleveland at least. So Kareem Hunt with him. If what happened the last two days happened last week, I wonder if the Frank Clark trade would have gone down considering his past. Mm. I uh I'm gonna throw out another loser for the week. Okay. Joe Flacco. You know, who is grouchier about Good having... Good thing I'm between Wes and Greg right now. Go ahead, Greg. Well, I'm just saying, who is grouchier about having a rookie quarterback behind him? I don't blame him than Joe Flacco last <laughs> year. And then he made he made some comments... Like since Brett Favre, yes. <laughs> uh, he made some comments uh, leading up into the draft uh, that made it clear, of course, he doesn't want them to draft a rookie quarterback. He really didn't want it with number 10. But he said, yeah, I want this team to get in the best position possible to be at its best with me at the quarterback position. Obviously, uh, it's not that important. It, it's not of the most importance to draft a quarterback. If we do, that's completely out of my control. And they take Drew Locke, number 42 overall, who is different than Flacco, Bolt has a big arm, um, kind of, you know, is getting the reputation, you know, maybe the profile of a, of a Cutler type, you know, going to take a lot of chances, has a big arm, kind of fun to watch. But Flacco's got to know. They're three and five. Fans are going to want him, and 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 he's always handpicked guy. And Mike Cleese, who you know seems to have a pretty good beeline into Elway's mind, said Drew Locke was the number one quarterback on the Broncos board, which is something we heard before the draft. So even though he was taken forty second overall, to me that means they think he's a first round type of talent. And Flacco's you know starts the year with a, a short uh, leash. I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say all that is fair. I would look at it slightly differently that Joe Flacco got Noah Fant, which he desperately yep, needed. That's fair. In. He got Dalton Reisner. He need, they needed yep. interior offensive line help, and they waited to the second round to take a quarterback who was not NFL ready. Yep. If you're Joe Flacco, you say, hey, the offense is better. This team can be a contender if I play up to my potential. If I don't get it done, I don't get it done. And All I, you're asking for the, is a well, chance. The only yeah, that's disturbing fair. DNA is that if you're, you're Flacco and you're in that stage of your career where wherever you go, people are drafting the guy behind you. And all right. last offseason – we thought about the Flacco is sort of, oh, it's, we're not going to see Lamar Jackson. He's not ready to go. Well, as soon as they remove Joe Flacco, they go on like a seven-game run to the playoffs. There's some thought that, oh, well, if Joe Flacco is holding the offense back at all, we've got this guy we drafted. It worked for the Ravens. It's a different situation. Put the young guy And in. I think it's just annoying, like on a day-to-day level, that he's going to have to answer questions about it every single press for conference. For like the 700th thing. That he's, he's going to be in the in the room with, with Drew Locke. But I would give uh, John Elway, who's taking a lot of fire on this podcast, I think, uh, a nice little winner job because I he agree. traded down for Fant. He used that pick to wind up trading back up for Locke. And I and I agree the talent that he got was pretty intriguing. I'm with you on that. And I, you know, I'm always getting on Elway. Uh, but... I think, and I didn't think he was going to take a quarterback in the first round. He didn't. The second round and taking him without having to trade up, and he and you and you just get him at forty. He did trade up. Oh, he traded up. Sorry, but he did get at forty-two overall. There's not an an outstanding amount of pressure on Elway to nail this one like it would have been if he took Lock at ten, for instance. Uh, so it gives you a little bit. Uh, of leeway there as the boss, and then on top of it, it, just gives the organization more flexibility because he may really believe in Flacco um, and other people may really believe in Flacco, but if it doesn't work out before this draft, they would really have nowhere to go. And now they do. Now they have a kid they could put into the mix and the, the organization just has more flexibility. Insurance is sold for a reason. Absolutely. Uh, how about another winner? Anybody got another winner? Can I throw out my loser first? Okay. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Chris Wessling. I hate to do this to my hometown, but 
Oh, no. <laughs> the Bengals' defense, to borrow a Patrick Claibon term, was trash juice for most of last year. Trash juice. And the biggest impact gross. player they've, they've added is, is what? A, a third-round linebacker? Jermaine Pratt? I, they did not improve this defense nearly enough from last season. They they probably think that getting some players back from injury, especially in the secondary, would help. But I, I'm with you that on on paper, I don't think that's quite enough. I think a quick a quick winner would be the Niners' defense. Uh, you had Joey Bosa, you've added D Ford, DeForest Buckner's there, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas was whispered as a trade candidate, but he's still around. Uh, you. I, if you're Robert, so if you're the defensive coordinator, you don't have a real reason for this defense not to take a major step forward. I think a winner, and unfortunately lo- the, the losers, our football fans, also would be Andy Dalton because that's great that you took Ryan Finley, but if you go read the scouting report on Ryan Finley, it sounds like almost a shakier version of Ryan of Andy Dalton. They drafted so, him to be the backup. That's what I'm saying. He's essentially tra- a backup in this. Yeah, they traded up for him. But you've, they you've saw gone how in, Driscoll played last year and said, we need a better backup. It's the opposite of Arizona where it said, we have a coach who's a young offensive mind and we're going to mold this team and give you everything you need the same way that Kyle Shanahan was treated in San Francisco you're Zach Taylor you're stuck with Andy Dalton and very little else has changed but very what, little else would has you changed t- like who would you if you were looking to upgrade over the Bengals? Andy Dalton in this draft who would you I, I'm not saying target? it's the greatest draft of all time but they I would say it's the it's the eighth or ninth year in a row where they refuse to bring in a real challenger Dwayne they, Haskins they could have taken Haskins but I think they thought that wasn't big enough of a difference, you know, maybe between Dalton. I mean, but they, that they, potential they've, wise. Poor, they've evaluated this poorly for almost a decade I, at this point. At this point, you got to give them a little bit of a fresh start. I think they'd like to see what Taylor can do with Dalton. And you get the sense that's how he sold himself to them to get the job, to at least see what they look like together for one year. But yeah, it's not. Yeah, not I mean, that, to me, that is a raging yawn. Like I, I, it is it, that team needs a fresh start at quarterback. I, I, two words you don't usually hear together, but I like it. Raging yawn. <laughs> like they're they're playing at the Troubadour later tonight. It's like when, raging yawn. It's like when Greg described D'Angelo Williams as wildly patient. <laughs> um, Greg, I, it's happening. It's the second time in I think three weeks. I have to say this, but the loser here is uh, your boy, the inconvenient truth. And maybe any Bills running back over the age of thirty, because you know they go and they get T.J. Yeldon. A nice young third down back. And then they draft this guy, uh, this kid, Devin Singletary. So now. Gore's in a tough spot. Because they also said after the draft. Or Sean McCoy. That's what I thought. But One or both of those guys are history. Brandon Bean, you know, because he got that question after the draft, said, LaShawn McCoy is going to be part of our team. He's an important is part Frank of Frank Gore going to be the gunner on this team? What's the move? I mean, Gore or Yeldon or both won't make the team. They can, ma- they can save some serious coin if they move on from LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, or not the case that out. Or another general manager is just standing at the podium lying Thank to his you. teeth, like which, like we've seen throughout the offseason. Yeah, Lashawn McCoy also apparently, and I'm not really plugged in on the superhero movies, but oh yeah, spoiled uh, this new Avengers movie. People are really <laughs> on upset with it. I really enjoyed it. Was like that. a huge story. It was like, like a, all over the world. It was like a corker of a because I I I read it once I saw the story because I don't care about the spoiler and uh and uh, it was a it was you as, said it was pretty devastating. it was as spoiler as you can and then he backed it up with even more like he 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 did multiple but tweets. that's it was like, great and it that's fine great. if we think it's funny because you don't care about Avengers I don't care about Avengers right. but if you were like hey then the, stay off Twitter before you see the movie like that's well, on that, you but it can't but you're that's an adult fine. but Greg that's a little bit crazy just to blame everyone else that's a that's an a-hole move by LaShawn. I'm before. saying if it's that important to your life, move. then Which just is stay out of the brand. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's, there's, there's evidence that he's this kind of guy. Okay, but he didn't do it to it. It says me. something about these um, Marvel fans. Yes. That LaShawn McCoy could treat people like trash for the last eight years <laughs> over and over and over again, and they don't have a problem with it until he reveals well, the spoiler, and now we, he's a jerk. Why are we assuming they don't have a problem with that? They prob- Most of them probably didn't even know who LaShawn right. McCoy was until this happened. I'm talking about football writers who have been voicing their Well, that, that's fine, but what if they... You Now you're all in on Game of Thrones, Wes. What if he came in and dropped here's what's going to happen? You would here's, care. Here's, here's, here's a note. I don't care ever about spoilers. Why well, would I care that much about spoilers? It's on me. That, unf- that's fine, but you are, a, you are not in the majority when it comes to this people need to get a life. entertainment. 
Um, oh, let's, so we're just going to take everyone else down. It's so great. Let's, what LeSean McCoy did. He's No, he's it's in not. The right I, I have huge that. problems with what he did, but Please. big deal. Spoilers. It was, just like an, it was an based a movie. Based on the tone of it, I don't think Settle down in, in this case. I know. It's amazing. This is the most fired up the room. <laughs> well, no, the because I don't like right away. Like, just, just every, I'm not, every, I'm not every, defending like, it. Like, it's going to make more money than any movie ever. Everyone who goes to see it, stay off Twitter for five days because LeSean McCoy wants to have his fun. No. But, like, I'm just saying if it's that important to you that it's really going to cause consternation yeah or see the movie right away and of course it was clear from the way he wrote it by the way it was like it wasn't he wasn't trying to spoil it. he was like excited to talk about the movie and just like wow it's crazy that you're like isn't that crazy bros you know I mean, he's know. just a fool. idiot he's a fool <laughs> right yeah. that was, that's <laughs> um and of course the spoiler is that captain america and the incredible hulk um, fall in love, become <laughs> communists, and move to Russia. I mean, you could have seen that coming if you, I mean, we had not watched these, but if you had, you'd see that coming. And yes, reestablish a communist uh, stronghold uh, that we've never seen before. Mm. Political. Yeah. How about a, a winner? The, the Patriots' offensive physicality. Snore. While the rest of the league is spreading out. Speaking of raging snore. Yeah. That, <laughs> while the rest of the league is spreading out and getting lighter. I feel like the Patriots are doubling down on what worked for them at the end of last season, which was getting a little more condensed, uh, be a little more physical. They get a physical receiver in Nikhil Harry who can take some of those red zone snaps. They get Damian Harris. Very surprising pick to me. Uh, The starting running back over Josh Jacobs, who was the first round pick uh, for the Raiders at Alabama, who's a physical big running back. I mean, they've got a million running backs right now. They take a a right tackle type uh, at the end of the third round. And I mostly like that they actually took their picks for the most part. They moved around the board, but they took six guys in the first three rounds, right? Or five guys in the first three rounds. They took a second round pick. They went years without these top 60 picks and they need some lifeblood. Like they need Jawan Williams, their cornerback. They need Chase Winovich uh, to come through because it just doesn't have a lot of young players on this roster right now, but they're all kind of of the same type physical. You're back in on the Patriots. I like it. (laughs) I mean, I want to see these, uh, I want to see them be competitive. I think they'll be competitive. (laughs) I don't think you have to worry about that. Uh, And one last thought, I won't call them a loser, but we, a loser or someone that's, you know, in danger, but back in uh, earlier this month, uh, we talked about who should be nervous about the NFL draft. I remember bringing up Todd Gurley as one of them. And then, uh, you know, maybe the Rams find somebody that's going to, potentially take some of his workload. Well, the Rams did take a running back in the third round. Uh, Sean McVay was on NFL Network and kind of played the whole thing down and, and, and said, it's just another compliment to the offense. Perhaps it is, but it's something that bears to bear watching here because we don't know what the status He's of He's a really different is. type of running back, but they, it's, it, it adds to the fact that they match the Lions offer for Malcolm Brown. So you do have you know, in sort of more, much more of a stable here. But Daryl Henderson is like described as sort of a boom or bust like dude that either runs for like a 50 yard touchdown or does not. I think if you look at some of the best teams in the league, a lot of them, I, the more running backs, the better. I think it, that really helps. The, I think it's really helped the Patriots to have different types of running backs and have three or four guys. I was surprised to see that the Eagles take Miles Sanders from Penn State with one of their second round picks. But they, they like having three, four, five running backs, too. They're a team that, like, if you look at the, the start, it was all offense. Andre Dillard, Sanders, and uh, they took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Like, guys that might not even see the field right away, but they just have so much depth on their offense uh, at every position, especially running back. I was a little nervous, kind of moving more into general takeaways of the draft. Ready to uh, just phase Can I throw in a, a, a one last winner? Sure, do it. Well, we talked about what the Patriots have lost and what's going on with the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. The Chargers got better while these two teams got worse. And the Chargers are building one of the best defenses in the NFL. They pick up Nazar Adderley and Jerry Tillery, Drew Tranquil for their defense, which was already loaded from last year. They signed Thomas Davis. This is... This is, to me, the team to Mm. beat in the AFC, and the Colts are right there, too. You know, Greg, Tillery um, is a avid, skilled tennis player. At six he, foot I, seven. I listened to him on, uh, do an interview with Lindsey Rhodes last night, and he, number one, sounded, well, these rookies, because you have these events, and it's like, they are trained, and they are good at saying nothing interesting at all. He's completely opposite. Yeah, and I think, like, that was one, and he also has this 
background in finance where he, you know, can, he's made a lot of money with the stock market and has a company. Like, that was one of those things scouts didn't like. Oh, this guy, he's too smart. <laughs> Real quick. And he, plays, and he plays tennis. They didn't like that about Rosen either. So someone should say that three, three days ago, the Washington Redskins were a punching bag and everybody was taking shots at them. And they came out of this draft way better than people thought they would to pick up Dwayne Haskins and Montez Sweat in the first round. And then Terry McLaurin, one of my favorite players in the draft. Mm. Their front seven now on defense after taking the flyer on Reuben Foster mm. is, is stacked. This is, this is a pretty good defense. They picked they, up Landon Collins. They're weird because if you just look at their roster, if they got quarterback play, you can if you were a fan, you can certainly make the argument that's like, hey, that could be a 10-win team. But I don't know. I just don't trust it. Somehow, that's, it that's usually, also fair. It usually goes wrong, but on paper, I'm with you. It looks pretty. Talented. They're another team that took. They took Bryce Love, the Stanford running back, who has he's going to rehab this year probably, but was awesome in 2017. And it was another one of those things that triggered Darius Geis to respond on social media with one of those smiley or non-smiley faces, just like a face. Like, excuse me, you took say that what? Dude? Say what? Say what? I mean, skepticism is advised. It's just that the bar is so low for mm. the Redskins when everybody's just laughing at that, that, them three days. Well, that was the, the emoji that uh, our our friend David Ely and Andrew Groover translated for Rich Eisen. Uh, it kind of like a non-plus for emoji. Ian. For, uh, for Ian. Ian, rather. And then got a shout-out uh, during the draft on NFL Network. That's big time. I mean, David Ely is going to be popping He's champagne. Lying. <laughs> He didn't get to pop it at Super Bowl 50, but he uh, pops it tonight because <laughs> he gets referenced on national television. Uh, some takeaways. You know, one thing when you watch the draft, and by the way, I absolutely uh, cracked the code on how to watch the draft. I don't think the bosses will get mad for this angle because I think you're still giving them the rating. And I'm not a Nielsen family anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, anyway, getting lost in the weeds here. So. We all uh, collected. We didn't come into the office Friday, so we watched um, rounds two and three from our homes or whatever. I did the thing where you wait an hour. You DVR the draft. You wait an hour. You get away from social media. You know, you don't need to be dug into social media at all times. So there's no concerns about spoilers. I waited 60 to 80 minutes, then started the draft. And my goodness, how incredible. You, you get to wipe out all the pop and circumstance, all the commercials, Ned from Verizon. The broken pelvis guy. You know. Everything just gets melted away. We're not buying your away. broken pelvis, uh, Verizon guy, please. Yeah, and what is with that? That commercial aired approximately 700 times. Uh, um, <laughs> Which is a thousand times less than uh, Old Town Road was played. During <laughs> right. What else? Other takeaways? My one issue with the draft along the whole televised line, which I don't know how to fix it, so maybe don't even raise it, but I'm going to, is that like if you were writing um, like a book or a screenplay and you said, I'm going to make the first act um, exciting, but it's going to just get worse from there. Like the story is going to unravel and it's going to become a, a chore to read or to endure. Why? Like the draft needs to find a way to make the final 80% of it more <laughs> tolerable for the viewer. No, it doesn't. Because what it the, does, what this industry has done is turn this into a massive television event. And I know, it's, but it's bad it's about ratings but from but a television. Saturdays for the it's, diehards. Most it's people bad aren't. dramatic structure to have the first part of it be good. But I then it just it. completely flies. Well, off I, we, our boss, uh, one of our bosses, one of our many, Todd Sperry, suggested they should do the picks in reverse. Now, that would take. <laughs> well, he said do the entire draft and then release them in reverse, which is right. not a terrible idea. I mean, it was never, never supposed to be like the what the draft is was never supposed to be a 15-hour TV show. It got turned into that. So that's my issue. And the NFL and ESPN and everybody has to work their darndest to make it entertaining for all that time. But really, at the heart of it, it's just a draft. There's not much you can do with it. It's a draft. It's just that's guys going up to a microphone and talking. I was amazed at the crowd that was there on Saturday, Tens of especially. Thousands. There's no players there. There was just, I don't know. It was cool, but it was, it's kind of crazy. Man, James Dolan. I'm, I'm happy for people who are into the draft. I had to explain to Lakeisha earlier today that this is not for for me personally. This is not a television event. It is something I can get the results online as soon as they happen, just and I'll be just paper. happy. My take one takeaway I have is that Panthers fans and and this happens basically when any quarterback is drafted need to calm down when uh, you draft Will Greer late in the third round. 
you know, A, you're not wasting your pick by taking a quarterback. Backup quarterbacks are incredibly valuable. And especially when you have to start Tyler Heineke and Kyle Allen and, you know, NFL games in the regular season. Kyle Allen looked like Unitas. Right. <laughs> what did Charlie Ca- Casterly once tell us, Greg? <laughs> yeah, the most important <laughs> person in your organization is your quarterback. And the second most important person in your organization is your backup quarterback. <laughs> I think uh, he even went third. Yeah, I, I would go third and then the quarterback <laughs> coach. <but laughs> I don't have it in me. Uh <laughs> You know, like there doesn't need to be a controversy every time a quarterback is taken. Thank you. It's so deep in the draft. Like the Patriots have taken four or five. I can't remember when Kevin O'Connell was taken. Quarterbacks higher than Will Greer was taken for the Panthers. It doesn't mean anything about Cam Newton. But Cam Newton is an injury prone starter now the last couple of years. And yeah, it's good to have like. It's a great investment. You Kevin O'Connell's sure. now a It's coach, not a waste so. of a pick. Like half your third round picks end up stinking anyways. It was the hundredth pick. It does two things. It gives you a backup and it gives you a chance to build his value and flip him for even more value if he plays well when Cam Newton gets injured. Um, circling back to my Nielsen story and the fast forwarding of the DVR and how it's a great move. Oh, yeah. I was, you guys want the exciting conclusion, right? right? So when we when they did get to the Jets pick at, at 68 overall, you know, you stop and play and you listen, you know, you're really plugged in for it. And what you really want, and this could be any any person watching the draft and their favorite team, you want it, the, the pick to be made. And then instantly uh, you want DJ move the sticks to be on fire. You want uh, Charles Davis to be like, I love this pick. This is incredible. Uh, it's always the worst where it's just a little quiet. And it's just like, well, this, you know, and you, boomer bust gets thrown out there. Um, when the Jets took Ja'Kai Polite, Polite, Polite uh, outside the linebacker out of Florida, um, it was, I would say, a little muted, the response. Well, he was not liked well by the right. draft community. And then uh, ESPN uh, did a little writing up about it, that his scouting combine performance was awful on and off the field. One NFL scout said Polite. Uh, he doesn't have issues. He is an issue. The same <laughs> right. scout called him arrogant and not a team player. Well, that, that's a boomer bust pick right there, gentlemen. Can I give you some optimism on this one? Yeah. I would say this is one of the few names where in January, the draft Knicks who were grinding the tape, really, he stood out and they loved him. And then it wasn't until he started acting a fool at the combine right. that everyone was like, oh, is, this guy's no good. Well, he was the one that got, he got though. mad about the pack. He yeah. didn't, he got mad at the Packers for how they, he didn't like the oh, way they interviewed like a him and he called him <laughs> out. Or his, his combine time was unimpressive. And then his, his pro day time was almost impossibly worse than the combine time. So I, I, to me, it's a major red flag when the guy's out of shape during uh, the draft run up. Just a bit. Maybe <laughs> he also had like 11 sacks last year and was kind of a beast. So maybe he'll be a stud. Eight of them came in I, one are game. You, though, are you at all worried, Dan, about the very, there was multiple reports, you know, yes. not, not from big time sources, although one of them was Michael Lombardi ready in the athletic kind of as a throwaway about some McCagnin uh, gase heat. And then more, more surprisingly to me that McCagnin could lose his job. And there, right. there have been also from reputable sources, I, I forget which national writer it was, whether it was Ian or Adam Schefter, that said, watch out, there could be some big-time shakeups after the draft in some front offices. But they didn't say who. Um, I guess I, I wouldn't... I want stability. Every organization, every fan base wants stability. So I wouldn't love it if, if Big Mac got fired. But I also will say, like, you know, it's not like McCagnin deserves to have this job absolutely and, and is some, he's done some tremendous job. Um, the middle-round picks especially... Um, he has been very uh, hit or miss more on the miss side. He is because they've had so many poor teams is gotten a lot of high first round picks. And to his credit, I think he's done a good job in the first round. And it was a great trade last year to get Darnold. So if they fired him tomorrow, that would be a big shock. But I also wouldn't be like, they just let a guy out the door that was really going to build this team and put them into the Super Bowl. I think they're the only team that hasn't won at least six games in a season over the last three years, which is his mm. second, third, and fourth year. I think every other NFL team is. I, I just feel like wherever Adam Gase seems to wind up, there are hints of internal power struggle because I feel like he never was on the same page with Miami's front office, certainly the later incarnation of it, the one we're getting now. And there's never been drama around Mike McCagnin with other people inside the Jets building. Suddenly it's being whispered about, you know, power struggle. Headlock watch. 
Yeah, there's it's a headlock watch. There's always going to be heat in the kitchen in uh, Florham. I kind of like it. It's kind of fun as long as it doesn't get out of control. I like that you're basically just going with it because you, you probably can't I've, stop it. Well, so. But you know what? When I when I look at it, yes, that would be very Jets for there to be some big soap opera blowout, right, blow up right when the Giants are up in flames and you, you're the st- stable franchise in New York. But uh, on balance, I'm very happy and excited and optimistic about the direction of the team and how there are some real blue chip players on both sides of the ball now and, uh, and, and a new coaching staff that while combustible also, I kind of am excited about seeing how, how Williams and Gase do um, with the offense and defense. What was so. it that you said uh, on Thursday night, West Dan? Oh, that I think this is the most, I don't know if excited is the right word. Maybe it was that I've been about the Jets since I've known Dan. You don't dread turning on the tape potentially this year. Right. I, I think my biggest problem with the Jets is they've been ultra boring, but they get so much media coverage. And now they're going to get media coverage, but they might not be boring. Um, any other thoughts before we move on? we got to check in with a couple other things. Let's move on. All right, Mark, your mock draft. Let's hit the, the 2019 Mark Sessler mock draft where he ended up. All right, not bad, Mark. Not bad. You had, by my count, really by Mark's count, he sent this along, his PR team. Ooh. Well, all right. So, yeah, break it down. as you we're mean, We may need to, yeah, go. Kyler Murray. It's like when the president releases his own approval rating. <laughs> well, I don't put that parallel out there. <laughs> Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa won, too. You got that right. You nailed it. But a lot of people did. Those were the spots nailed. The right. rest are correct Now, these last four, spots. you got the right landings. They're not the right spots or necessarily even the rounds. But Which the is right half spots. a point, right, Wes? Well, it is, but I, I have something to say about Josh. Right. No, you don't need to say anything else. Dwayne Haskins to the Redskins, Mark predicted. Drew Locke to the Broncos. Josh Jacobs to the Raiders. And DK Metcalf to the Seahawks. Not necessarily where Mark had these guys all going in the first round. Not obviously. only not necessarily, not. Uh, not all of them went in the first round. But you know what? He got the teams right. I give you fractions positive for three of those picks. But Josh Jacobs, everyone else in the community got this pick right, and you did? Well, hold on. There were a lot of other things that a lot of people all got right that I did not get Whoa, right. Song goes so I should direction. get credit for not zagging oh. off of Josh Jacobs. All right, that's fair. I mean, I you know I was the one that went a little extra with Quentin Williams and dropped him like five spots lower than everyone else had. So, you know, didn't make the mistake with Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and the only thing, what would have really driven things home for you is if you were able to get that quarterback. The Patriots did draft a quarterback, but not the one that you, dra- you predicted as the hammer. Well, and the Panthers well, they selected one. Will Greer one spot before New England mm. hit the clock. Mm. How bad were you? I mean, at that point, well, I was, like, I was mentally and emotionally dead at that point. It, but the Patriots also had a, had to pick three spots before the Panthers, and then they traded down behind them. I know, but Greg, you don't need to say that. I'm just saying. You don't, need to, you don't need to add the always the footnote. It would uh, indicate. Just, like, just footnote free. Greg's it a would, big footnote Footnote guy. free. We don't it would need, just, indicate, let, just let it go. It would just seem let it, to indicate it just, that they were not going to. It, go. it, it doesn't indicate anything. Just let it go. It seems to indicate they wouldn't take Greer. Let it go. I'd call it a success, the first annual Mark Kessler. Well, vaguely. Well, the vague success. Yes, the, buzz, the pop. I mean, from another angle, a, a, a an incredible failure because I mean, your brand really took um, you know a leap. Well, I, it, I think in a cottage industry, really mired in a groupthink swamp, you are not afraid. Wait, so how many to picks, think for yourself on these picks? How many picks did you get right? Well, I'm getting half of a, a, a half a credit for halfy for um, correct landing spots, but not at the pick. Mm. If you're curious. I was looking. The over one under was three, and I surpassed the over. I was looking for if some. We give you credit for the half rights. I was looking for if it was like a tough year or not. I can't find a big scale one, but at least McShay, Jeremiah, and Kuiper. Uh, McShay and oh, yeah. Jeremiah both had nine right. I and, heard, I heard and, that Silva came in first again and Silva, got ten. Well, and I, Kuiper not, got Silva seven. Bathes in it. I, I'm not. Surprised. I think Silva got ten. Oh no! Really? I think he won again. Wait, why is, oh no, why is it oh no? Because I'm trying to establish a brand here with Mark Sessler. I know, but and I Now I'm looking at the standings, and it's not as our, good as I thought. Mark's brand doesn't care about also, whether he gets it right or not. I spent a day and a half I on do. it. What if I actually spent two weeks on it? My goal is to make Mark a huge brand and then ride his coattails to a couple hundred grand. I think the avenue to that is not through accuracy. Right. That I would agree with. <laughs> Let's not make that the avenue. Let's check in with Go Get My Lunch. <clears throat> And uh, all right, Chris Wessling, actually, Greg Rosenthal by uh, percentage points, as I'm looking at, um, you finished seven and four, first place. 
Yummy. Uh, in the draft, um, go get my lunch.org. Nick Fortier, the man, tracks all of our predictions uh, over the course of the season and through the league year. Uh, let's see. The universal prop was Josh Rosen. What team will he be on on Sunday, April 28th? Nice job by Wes. Chris Wessling. Nails it. He's got the Dolphins. The organic fish tank does not let you down, Wes. Well, that, thank you to Greg for this. Because <laughs> if you recall, Mark and I both had the Cardinals. Right. And Greg said he wanted the Cardinals. I didn't want three people on the Cardinals. And I kind of had a funny feeling about the Dolphins anyway. Mm-hmm. So it, Greg have- gave me an excuse to jump off. Um, so, yes, Wes got that one. Uh, but Greg won the um, overall round at 7-4. and four. Wes won 7-5, and five, though. But... Uh, uh, Greg, you said Raiders draft a QB in round one. That cost you three sandwiches. Uh, but then you uh, then you hit on one. Patriots don't draft a tight end within the first two rounds. Which I got a couple on. Well done. Yeah, Dan, and, they, I, Dan and I got killed on that. They they did they draft one? They no. didn't draft one the whole time. In Austin Severian Jenkins, step on up. You are TE1. I, uh, I've... Put a few things together. I wouldn't be surprised if Ben Watson is on, comes mm. out of retirement and uh, joins their team because there's been some whispers that he might not retire after all. And Michael Lombardi made this Shaking little comment. Shaking my boots on that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going <laughs> to save their team. Yeah. But uh, come back NFC. to us, Ben Watson. First round pick. You also had uh, the Giants will draft the QB in round one. Nobody took you up on it, but according to Nick Fortier, you get the credit for getting it right. I bet Ben Watson can still chase down Champ Bailey. Mm. <laughs> All right, Chris Wessling, seven and five. Jets will make a trade involving the number three overall pick. No, they did not. They stayed. They were. They took Quinn and Williams. Cost you three sandwiches. The Bengals or Lions draft a QB within the first two rounds. Did not happen. Banged. Two more seconds. What, what happened to all this Lions quarterback talk? Well, there was. Uh, it was interesting that one of the teams traded up ahead of the Lions to take a quarterback in the second round. Who am I thinking? Was it the Broncos? Drew Lockman. And there was some belief that that they were worried that that uh, Lock could go there. So so when I heard that, I thought of you, Chris. That was a bad job by me. That that particular one. And then you, of course, you nailed uh, Josh Rosen going to the Dolphins. Um, Mark and I, neither of us got anything right, but Mark did a better job taking up sandwiches. He goes four and four. Uh, the Giants won't draft a QB at number six. They did. They took Daniel Jones of Duke. So that was a missed opportunity by all of yes. us. Yes, he's not a quarterback. So not, <laughs> the none of us took you up on it. So even though you didn't lose any sandwiches, you were, were still shaming in the game. clear. Um, you, it just goes to show how far the Browns and their fans have come that you are now lobbing quarterback. Um, put downs at other teams and you deserve it after all those years. Yeah, I just asked. I didn't say he's not. I asked the question. <laughs> lean into it. I think he should lean into it. The Browns trade into the first round. I should have taken you up on this, but I thought the logic was sound because the Cowboy uh, GM of the Browns wanted to make another splash. He didn't. Um, he stayed where he was um, or he didn't move into the first round. Greg and West did take you up on that. Uh, you had the Cardinals as the Josh Rosen team on Sunday. Then the old Zeuser, a tough one, three and eight. I never do well in this exercise in the draft. It's always been uh, a bad spot for me. Giants, Redskins, Dolphins, or Broncos will trade into the top five. Didn't happen. Nobody moved out of Not the top five. Not a year of trades. Well, there were actually more trades than any in the, other in the, draft t- in the first history. round. In the yeah. first round. Not a big fireworks uh, round one in terms of trading, um, but that cost me three sandwiches. More quarterbacks will be selected. In round one, then running back and wide receiver combined. Ooh, you got, you got bang late there. I'll tell you what. You know who got you? Nikhil Harry and the Patriots. <laughs> Thank you I'll for delivering you that sandwich. And you know who did indirectly. Supposedly, the Falcons traded up to 31 to grab, uh, draft that right top tackle, Caleb uh, Irish Gary. Barry. Supposedly, the Patriots were interested in taking him. So indirectly, they, if that hadn't happened, I think you would have gotten your sandwiches. Yeah, well, don't be so gleeful about it. But um, <laughs> I was on fire. Footnote. I was up 3-0. Old footnote over here. Um, I was up 3-0, and I think I was up 3-0 after the 20th pick. I was, I was cruising. And then, yes, it went all the way to 32 in the Patriots, and they take the wide receiver. That locks me in at 3-3. Three, three. three quarterbacks taken, three running backs slash wide receivers taken, and I had made it very clear that if it was um, a push, I lose. 
And I've never done this before. In all the years uh, we've done the show and all the anger that I've had towards the Patriots and all the times this organization has screwed me, um, both personally and my favorite team. One thing I've never done, but I'm going to do it right now. New England Patriots, I declare vengeance. Now I do it. Your boy, Tom Brady. I would, I would like someone to go through the 1,260 episodes. May your bones go brittle. I feel like you have declared vengeance on them. May your muscles go like, limp. Literally like four times. And your mind grow feeble. And that goes for your head coach, too. I declare vengeance. This is the end. Never would have thought this would be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I think, Harry. I think I'd like one of our listeners to find some old, old ones. <laughs> Pretty sure. I don't think I did, but it, I, I don't think I ever actually declared vengeance on that organization until now. And watch what happens. I Mark my words. Bring this tape back up come January. It's fine. I think you've declared vengeance on me, but I don't remember the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> bad things happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> if I were Patriots, I wouldn't mess around with this. Check your front office for voodoo dolls. Uh, all right. Anybody else have anything else to add about this uh, wonderful three-day period of the NFL? I'm going through my notes. I feel like we covered yeah, um, a lot. Let's get good, out of here. Good job by the Vikings. <laughs> Glad we got that in. <laughs> Uh, oh, the Bucks drafted another kicker. This time in the fifth round, mm. Matty Gay um, will compete with Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos. And the guy they the track. picked up from Germany. Their, their top five picks. Maurice Moringer? What's his name? Philip Anderson mm. from the German Football League. I thought it was interesting. With Bruce Arians there, their first five picks were all defense. That defense has yeah. been so bad for so long, and they've spent a lot on it. And Todd Bowles winner. Uh, Never gets any better. Patriots traded up for a punter. What a joke. Nice job also by the Ravens. A right-footed punter. The Ravens got explosive players in Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, uh, and then Justice Hill from Oklahoma State. All these guys are like, you know, 90th percentile athletic testing, just like can take it one play to make a touchdown at any point. You put them with Lamar Jackson. I don't know. At least well, the Ravens will be interested. They also drafted Trace McSorley, the Penn State quarterback, who John Harbaugh came on NFL Network and acknowledged that he may, they may find a way to put him on the field with Lamar Jackson in sort of a Taysom Hill type mm. spicy sauce. Oh, and I, I did mention this earlier. Uh, before we go, I do. Uh, let's listen to Steve Smith going off on Josh Rosen because it, it was some fire and brimstone stuff. Every team is drafted. We got six rounds to six rounds in the next couple of days. Guys are getting replaced. You are replaceable. No one. They, they say in the league, the more you can do, it helps your opportunity. So now you're mad because they brought some competition in here. So you're going to try to take your ball. Well, first of all, son, it ain't your damn ball to take anyway. So you just keep playing with your phone and you keep showing us what what the stigma of you and who you were was in, uh, at UCLA. Now you brought it to the professional level to show us you're still gonna when things don't go your way you're gonna cry in the corner but guess what they're gonna ship your ass home somewhere else and you can go cry and be their problem listen yep. this is a man's game be a man and go against that man one-on-one -on -one. he gets 10 plays you get 10 plays do your deal ain't nobody giving you nothing only thing you can get on this stage right now is a free ass whoop and everything else you got to work hard for you know what the crime of josh rosen you know what this, why he's getting buried here? Because he unfollowed their Instagram account? Yes. Now, well, I'm not going to tell Steve Smith to calm down because Steve Smith will come find me. But I don't know if Josh Rosen deserves that beating. Quite the contrary. I think he's handled himself and acquitted himself quite well during a very difficult situation. I mean, to be fair, that's, it, it came before Rosen did the video today. And I, the, what, the, Rosen also never verbally complained about being put in the worst situation last year a rookie quarterback could possibly put. They changed the name of their handle to Cards Got Kyler. So that was, I think they were a little like, It was like 25 yeah. posts straight, and it was from the Cards Got Kyler account. I mean, it's also like a generational thing, too. I don't, I don't think unfollowing is some... some yeah, I, well, Steve Smith has proven to be a good TV analyst, and I'm sure this made for good TV. And when you're a five foot nine wide receiver drafted in the third round, you have to adopt that mindset 
that everything's a competition. Everybody's trying to steal your job. You have to be absolutely rock tough, and that's how you get to be a third-round receiver in the Hall of Fame. But that's not the same as being drafted as a first-round quarterback, and the next year they take your replacement number one overall. That's not competition. That's your out the door. Right, and he was, and it's not the same. The same uh, Instagram account also sent out, you know, a a post just a couple months before that said, Josh is our guy. (laughs) Doesn't look as good (laughs) in red. Uh, I mean, Josh is essentially just annoyed with the Cardinals' social media department. I I agree. We can can understand that. So Uh, so we hit on uh, a a whole bunch of teams, obviously, over the last two shows. But if you are a listener of the show and you're hoping for more conversation about your favorite team, well, I've got good news for you. This upcoming week, we'll be back Tuesday, two shows next week, but um, two of our favorite shows of the season. Uh, Around the AFC in 48 minutes on Tuesday, around the NFC in 48 minutes on Thursday, every team, three minutes of devoted talk. Um, So pinch yourselves. Oh, yeah. That's it. Good job. Good job, everybody. Good job, everybody. Good draft. Good draft, Ricky. I know they had you burning the midnight oil until four in the morning the other night. For real? Yeah, and back here, here and then four. back here the next morning on Friday. That so feels like it breaks some sort of a code. Mm. But you know, someone somewhere can look deeper into that. That feels <laughs> wrong to me. All right, so. let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansa signing off. Go Spurs. Game seven. Four. The Quiet Storm. The Mailman. The Old Boss. And Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.